thanks so much for joining Home Church. Today, as we begin to worship, I just want to challenge you to prepare your hearts, to get your minds ready for what God wants to do in your life today.
Hey, thanks for tuning in online at Sanctuary. We're so glad to have you here. And uh, hey, uh, turn with us in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 25, verse 1. We are continuing a series called Living Past the Altar. And today we're going to talk about the dwelling place of God. So just take a moment. Let's Before we get into the Word, let's pray. Father, I pray right now for every person who's going to watch or listen to this message online. God, that you would do a work in their life that they would see that you are a God who is holy but wants to live in the middle of our dry and barren places, that we, Lord, uh, let it be in our heart to build you a place for you to dwell. God, speak in this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but I uh, grew up loving to camp, still do. And uh, Pastor Christian, do you, do you enjoy camping? I used to enjoy camping, um, but I remember a time in my senior year in high school where a bunch of buddies and myself decided to go camping, uh, tent camping, and uh, let's just say it didn't turn out as well as we'd hoped it to turn out. And I haven't went camping since, so. A bunch of teenage boys hanging yeah. out, and then what could go wrong? Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I uh, grew up camping, and, and uh, loved it. And then in my 20s, even went to survival camping with good friends and we wouldn't use a tent. We'd go out and you sleep in the stars. You could have spiders crawling over your face and, and snakes in your, your bed and all that. Wouldn't bother me a bit. But then I take, and my mid-30s now, take my two little girls to the backyard, which is, you know, manicured grass. And uh, lo and behold, I find out I'm getting old. And so uh, the wilderness <laughs> is not too comfortable for me any longer and you know that while that's funny life even can be a wilderness uh, this journey that we call life it has ups and downs it's most likely never comfortable uh, there's hills and valleys there's ravines there's even dark places lonely places uh, and there's even death and there's one thing about wildernesses that often bring and that's death when you're out there alone in the desert in a dry barren place uh, without life-giving water, without shelter, without food, without provision, all that we have to look forward to and count on is that death. And that's the same with you and I. The only thing that's really guaranteed in our life is that it's appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. You know, the children of Israel were much like that. They had been led into the wilderness uh, to a place that most people would die. Other people would perish there. And they found out real quick they weren't going to make it on their own. But there was a holy God who desired to dwell in their midst. And so we're going to talk about that story today in Exodus chapter 25. But we know that we need God with us through life's wilderness. But, you know, Pastor Christian, and, and growing up in church myself, I often thought it relied a lot on my work and what I could do. And while that is true, sometimes you, I, you get that idea that you have to be good enough or do things enough for right. God to want to be with you. And uh, this story we're going to talk about today is that sometimes we try too often to do all the right things and, and you know, get the sin out of our life, and we try to fix ourselves. But is it sin uh, that separates us from God, uh, or is it that God is really looking for us to build a place for Him to dwell? And we know that, that God is holy, but we're going to talk about have we set apart a space for God to come in uh, and fix those things in our life. So turn with us to Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. We're going to talk about a God who desires to dwell. So Pastor Christian, he's going to read that for us today. All right, it says this, verses 1 through 9. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. 
This is the contribution which you are to raise from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, ram skin dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil, and for fragrant incense, onyx stones, and setting stones for the ephod, and for, uh, for the breastplate, breastpiece. Let them construct a sanctuary, a holy place for me, that I may dwell among them, according to all that I am going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all of its furniture, just as you shall construct it. Amen. You know, uh, Pastor Christian, I've been thinking about this <clears throat> statement is that it's true. We talked about a holy God, mm -hmm. you know, in our previous lesson. It's true that sin separates us from God, but does it separate God from us? Is it, is it, we know that, man, with, with God being holy, and we talk about him being a reverent fire, that we cannot get closer into his presence without the flesh being consumed and dying. No man can see God and live. But here in this story, it wasn't that sin separated uh, God from them. It was that God says there, I desire to dwell. And he gives them this plan. We're talking about a plan here. Uh, that God gives them this great plan that he, a, a, a holy, a powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing God who is consuming fire. And he had just spoken on the mountain. He says, I know that you are fearful to come into my presence and you've sent Moses, your mediator, to me. But I love you and desire to dwell with you. Let's look at this text just for a minute and you can join us. Look in your text in Exodus 25. We're going to talk about some key words here that's going to get us into our study. But God in his true dwelling is in heaven, but he's called these people and he said, I desire to dwell. He says, you've got to build a space for me, and this is going to be a foreshadow, and here on our, our table through our series we have this little example of the tabernacle, and it's just a, one artist's representation of it, but it's a foreshadow of what his plan is promising, okay? And so he says, I want you to build a sanctuary. Look, look in that word, it says sanctuary. In the Hebrew, that word uh, means to a holy place. It means a set-apart place, something that is not common. And he says, I want you to build me a holy place, a set-apart place, a sacred space, meaning I want you to clean it, remove it from the common use, and he says that I uh, may tabernacle or that I may dwell. That word dwell and that word tabernacle are really the same words which mean dwelling or tent. So in a sense he's saying, hey, I want you to build me a tent mm -hmm. that I might tent among you. I want you to build me a dwelling that I might dwell among you. And so this is, and we've said it before, this is God's mobile home, right? This is, yeah, right. This is God's trailer park, and that's kind of sacrilegious maybe. But it, that's true. It's a mobile dwelling. It's a, a, something that he would follow and be with them. And wherever they needed to go or he needed to get them, he would lead them and guide them. And they packed this thing up uh, maybe about 40 times in 40 years. But God would be with them. And all the Israelites would camp, three tribes on every side uh, around them. So you're talking a couple of million people and they would see a flame of fire a tornado of fire a pillar of fire come up on this place sometimes god's glory would be there so heavy they'd see a shadow overcast uh, by day when the sun was beaming down and in the midst of this when god shows up in the midst awesome things happen you know they had water from a rock they had quail they had manna they had victory over their enemies but what's the key there look look at the next part he said 
it had to be, or he said, this is what I want you to do. And it says that they were moved in their heart. It was stirred within them uh, that they would obey this word of God by faith. And they began to build a sacred space. In fact, if you go on in, in the later chapter, it says that Moses, on Exodus 36, that the people brought so much contribution of their free will to build God a sacred place, a, a dwelling place, that Moses had to say, hey, stop, we've got enough. Now, Pastor Christian, have you ever been in church before and the pastors say, hey, guys, you've done so great giving to the Lord. We don't need to take any more offerings. I have yet to hear that in my lifetime. <laughs> but, but, but that's what Moses had to say. He's like, guys, you have been so moved to build a place for God in the middle of you that, that we need to stop. It's, it's, we've got enough to do the job. But there's been a problem here. And not really a problem, but here's, here's the limitation. A holy God desired to dwell in the middle of this camp, in the middle of a sinful people. You see, sin separated them from God, but it didn't separate God from them. That's good. That sin separated them from getting closer to God, but it didn't separate God from getting closer to them. He says, you got to do it my way, my blueprints, my way or the highway, and here's what I want. I have an outer courtyard that only uh, not, not common people can come in, only the Levites and the priests. I mean, then there's a a, the tabernacle, the tent, and on that tent's going to be four, uh, four coverings, four veils. Then there's going to be a, a priestly court, a, a holy place in the beginning. That's where the lampstand and the, the, the altar of incense and the table of bread are going to be. Then there's going to be a really, really thick veil, and it's going to separate my holy of holy places, where the Ark of the Covenant and the holies, the mercy seat is going to rest upon. I didn't die. I opened it. But... Uh, uh, that's, that's where God's presence is going to come down and dwell upon between the angels above the mercy seat. And no man can see that and live. Only the high priest can come in there once a year. And when he comes in there, Pastor Christian, he had to come with a much incense that it made a cloud around it. And he had to go in there in the fear of death and sprinkle blood upon the altar on the mercy seat. Now, all of that was in veils. Like, so if me and you, common people, once we, we're Gentiles, we're not Jews, we wouldn't have been able to get close. Right. But we would only see God from a distance. And we know that in this moment, God begins now, even though he's veiled, he begins to deal with their sins. But it still wasn't the fullness of God's plan. It was, it was, it was a plan, but he still had a promise for more. But really, uh, let's talk about this as, on this first part about God's plan. Is that... I look at this and I see the love that God has in this story, right? right. So the question is, how their hearts move. This holy God wants to be a dwelling, tabernacling in their midst. I got to ask myself, the question is, you know, like what space does my heart have for God and what keeps me from building uh, that public space? What do you think? Right. You know, for, for these guys, it was all about the physical. It was, what do I have to do? Or, you know, for like you said, we wouldn't have even gotten close right. to being able to, to come in and even, maybe even to make a sacrifice. It probably would have had to have been done for us by somebody else. And uh, for them, it was all physical. It was about, you gotta do this, 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 and this. But for us, it's more of a spiritual, right. a spiritual sense. Phys uh, you know, what causes us, or what? Do, how do we view this whole God thing? How do we view um, the things that we do? Is it going to church, giving tithes, serving in kids' church? We talk about making a place for God. Are we talking about a physical place? Right. Because for them it was physical, and we want to say for us, yeah, it's spiritual, but really is right. it? 
or are we making it more physical than it is spiritual? Right. Because for us, it's saying, God, I'm setting a, a, aside a place in my heart right. where I'm, where where you're going to dwell. We are the tabernacle of right. God. Wherever it is that we walk, His presence walks with us. Right. We don't have to have a, a pastor or a church building or a worship team or anything like that. Right. Every single place that we go, if we are right with God, His presence dwells with us. Yeah, that's good. And and what's our motivation there? You know. I, I love how it says that their hearts were stirred and that Moses had to tell them to stop. And even though there, right. there was a physical and ours is spiritual, I, I want to you know, ask us, is, is, our, is our heart stirred right. to build for God? That, that Think about this. These guys saw a fiery presence of the Lord that they feared death even to touch the mountain. And that very holy, pure, perfect God infinite creator, wonderful counselor, mighty God. This guy, he says, I want to be in the middle of your sin. I want to come in and dwell with you. I'm going to provide for you food and water and shelter. I'm going to provide victory over your enemies. I'm going to be in the middle of your mess. And sometimes we can look at that and like Pastor Christian said, we think, well, I got to fix it. I got to go to church. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got Okay, those are good things, but it's the heart motivation to say, look, are you in love with this God who says, I want to be in the middle of that mess. I want to be in the midst of you and see my hand move in your life. And here's the good news is that as they cleared a space for God, as they began to obey by faith his word to build him a spot, he came and dwelt in their midst. Yes, it was work. Yes, it took effort. Yes, all that had to happen. But at the end of the day, their hearts were moved by faith in His Word. And they said, God, we're going to clear a space in our camp. We're going to put you in the middle of our life. And isn't that what we want to do today? In the middle of the quarantine and the chaos and everything going on in the world, do you have a space for God? Have you cleared it out? Have you invited Him to dwell because He wants to? And that was His plan. Let's talk about His, his promise. Uh, there's a promise that God gave them in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 26. It says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them. I'll set my sanctuary, the holy place, in their midst forever. My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God. They will be my people, and the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies, who makes them holy in Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. Okay, so that was a, this is an impermanent dwelling. God says, I want a permanent dwelling in the midst of all kinds of people. That the nations are going to come and, and they're going to see God and, and see what He does. And I want to take away the separation and the veil. So how can I do that? This sin issue, I was, I was dealing with their sin, but it was only temporary. Only the blood. It was blood sacrifices every day, every week, every month, and every year trying to atone for sin. But it still couldn't pay the price. So just as the Lord spoke to Moses as a mediator and said, build this place. Now that same spoken word comes. And instead of speaking to a Moses, now the word himself comes and he becomes flesh and mediates. Let's read Pastor Christian John chapter one, verse 14. It says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. Amen. This has got to be one of my favorite verses in Scripture because that, that word there says, and the word became flesh, and it dwelt, or he dwelt among us. That word is tabernacled. He 
tabernacled. So get this, God was veiled in this in the old. This was his plan. It was a foreshadow of Christ himself. Everything in here means is representative of Christ. And he says, now that mediator, that word that was spoken to Moses, that word became flesh and the word himself tabernacled. So now you didn't see God at a distance when the fire, you didn't see God through veils of layers of goat skin and sheep skin. But now we saw him veiled only in flesh. And John says, he says, we saw him full of grace and truth. And even John later on says is that this is the fullness of God, the full revelation of God really is in Jesus Christ. Now, Pastor Christian, there's some interesting thing here too about these four veils. Sometimes people say that all of this can represent Christ. I, and there's debate over what you, you know, people want the things to mean. But for me, the outer level uh, was this porpoise skin or this uh, sea mammal skin. And you can think about the flesh of Christ. He comes in the flesh. Then you go to the next level and it was red rams skin. They dyed it red. And you think about him being uh, in his blood covers sin. And then the next level, it was veiled, was uh, uh, goat skin, uh, hair, fine hair. And so you can think about that it was the goat, the, the lamb that was there to make sacrifice and atone for us and make us pure and holy. And then the next one is angelic woven linen with a you know, masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And that God himself is revealed that Jesus came not just as man, but as divine. He was from the holy of holies. And so every this, now we see that Jesus himself was the covering. He's the veil that we have Mm -hmm. to go through to get to God. And so how awesome is all of this that now the full revelation of God, God is saying, look guys, just as I wanted to dwell with them, now I've sent my very word to tabernacle with you. And the question really, for us today in Hebrews chapter 8 says that there's this true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man and what Moses built was just a copy and shadow so if you want to see God now you have to go through Jesus if you want to see God you have to see Jesus so but here's the challenge do you remember that the Christmas story it says there was no room for him in the end so our question today is same as them have I built a space for Jesus. You know, uh, <clears throat> when I think about this this story or this, I, I think about it almost as the ultimate love story. You know, as, as I've done ministry uh, going on six years now, I've come in contact with a lot of people, especially when we were doing missions. <clears throat> right. And we talked to people and and uh, a lot of people don't fully understand this whole God thing. They don't understand that that this holy. They may believe in God. Right. You know, there's a lot of different uh, religions out there. Yeah. Hinduism, Buddhism, yeah. Islam, right. and all of that. And a lot of those, a lot of those religions or that people believe in. I've talked to people. I've talked to a Hindu before who was quick to accept Jesus because that was just another. Thing to add on to their onto their God, so right. to speak, and so you know that they, but but with all these other religions, here's what's great about our God, right? Is that it's not about what we can do to get to God, right? But about what God has already done yeah. to get to us. There's nothing that we can do right. to get closer to Him because right. we're not good enough, right? Exactly. But if we'll allow Him to, or if we'll, we'll make a space for Him, right? Exactly. If we'll make a space for Him in our heart, make time for Him, 
to get past all of our our, our busy life and our schedule, even yeah. church stuff yeah. can become uh, this busyness yeah. of just go, go, go. Yeah. But if we can make a space for him, our personally, personally, right. make a space for him in our hearts, then what we would what would we see him do in our yeah. personal life spiritually? You know, it's not about it's not about working enough or being good enough. It's just about God. If we'll yeah. allow God just to come in and say, "You're not good enough, but yeah. I'm going to change these things with inside of you." In fact, I remember, you know, as a young teenager, you know, and all struggling through, you know, right. this whole God thing. There was one thing that I remember <clears throat> struggling through. And when I had an experience and an encounter with God, I can tell you that I don't remember quitting that one thing. Yeah. It just happened. Right. God dealt with it. God dealt with it. Yeah. And I, it, just, it just went away. And, yeah. I, and I, you know, there are things in my life where I can say, this is the moment where God freed me from this. Or right. this is the moment. This is the day I could take you to the parking spot where I was in my friend's car. We prayed. And right. this is it. But for that thing, God just dealt with it. Right. I didn't have to do anything. He just... It was gone, and I never, I never really even struggled with it again. Yeah. And so that that for me, is how I foresee this whole love story unraveling yeah. with inside of myself. Yeah, it's good. I think, you know, like <clears throat> Israel, whenever they made a space for God, God began dealing with the sin issues. God began providing victory. God began providing food. God began providing shelter. God began providing Himself. And the same is with Jesus. When Jesus comes in the scene and those who would leave their nets and follow him, those who would repent and believe in the good news, he began to deal with their sin. He'd say, go and sin no more. I've, I've forgiven you. And they're like, Who's, who are you to forgive sin? He's like, well, whoever's going to welcome me, whoever's going to dine with me, I'm going to give them the living water. I'm going to forgive their sins. He raises the dead. And so this wilderness life that we are all going through, none of us are going to survive it. Right. Unless we give God a space. Exactly. And as, as we do give God a space, He begins to deal with those issues. So if it's addiction or alcohol or pornography or anger or hate, sometimes we, we think, well, I've got to fix that. i got to work exactly. on myself. i got to try harder. Yeah. And yeah, we do have to do things in faith. But ultimately, it's only God who's going to deal with the sin issues. It's only God, like you said, that the issue you were going with, it's like as long as you gave God a space and then boom, God begins to deliver and yeah. set free and heal and provide. And so for you and for us today, do you have room? Just like there was no room for Jesus in the end, just like the Israelites had to build a sacred space, a sanctuary, just knowing that God wants to tabernacle, to dwell with them. Is it really that... We know that sin separates us from God, but it hasn't separated God from us. God has always found a way to be in the middle of us, and Jesus is that way. He's the veil. He's the tabernacle, the one you have to go through to get to God. And so think about it this way. Ephesians tells us that through Christ we all have access to the Father, and that now we are all God's holy temple that we are built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit, Paul said in Ephesians 2.22. So how do we become that dwelling of God? How do we let God in our life? How do we build a spiritual tabernacle? I think about building, Pastor Christian, and three, three B words really come together. Number one is, is bulldoze. 
That for me, it would be to bulldoze those things down. They had to clear a space. And for us, it's clearing a space. It's that I need to repent to bulldoze things, cut those things away, leave those things behind, push those things aside and say, God, this is my life. This is the space you have to use. You have all of me. I think about Israel who had to become nomads and leave everything they knew behind and trust God in a dead wilderness by faith. That's you and me too. We all have to bulldoze the life we had before down and say, God, here's my life. You can have it. The next word is blueprint. They had to obey what God said. You know, every I strung all of 60 posts here and all these <laughs> strings. Everything they did had to be done just like God said it. Right. It had to be built on His Word. And Jesus is the tabernacle now. Everything has to be built upon Him. It's His blueprint. We don't come to this Christian life and think, if I just do the X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. then I'll get to heaven. Or if I can just go to church enough or pay my tithes enough or be a good person enough. No. It's only built on the way he is. He says in his words, it's his blueprints. So you come to the word by faith. You believe and let your life stand, life stand upon it. And the next is the build part. They did have to do something. They cleared a space. They had the blueprints and then they had to build. That's where we look in scripture and it says that faith without works is dead. It's built on the word, but there is something you do have to do. But like Pastor Christian said earlier, you know, it's a spiritual temple now. What does it look like to build a spiritual temple? While going to church is good and paying our tithes and being a good person and all those things are good things. But in my heart and and Pastor Christian in your heart and my heart, do we have the place where the Holy Spirit can really lead us in Christ's likeness and the love and the joy and the peace and the patience, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. Like Jude said, he says, "Build, uh, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. It's a building of spiritual things. And so it means seeking God in the quiet times, finding His Spirit, letting His Spirit work and build the temple inside of us like He wants to build it. And then acting on that in faith. So pray with us today. How will you apply this message? Where do we go from here? Do you have a right relationship with God? Do you know that God loves you? He wants to be in the middle of your mess. That sin separates us from God, but it doesn't separate God from us if we'll build Him a space will believe in Jesus Christ, if it'll welcome him in and will stop the busyness of, of what we think is supposed to be, what good life is supposed to look like, just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you can have it all. I want to be with you. And this awesome love story of God wanting to lead you through the wilderness of life so that you can live, but also live victoriously. We bless you. We pray for you today in Jesus' name that you'll be encouraged by this word. So let's pray. Father, today I pray for every person watching or listening. Maybe today, right now, someone is sitting there listening in their living room or they're driving down the road and they don't realize how much God wants to dwell in their life. Father, speak right now. Holy Spirit, just grab their heart and tell them yourself how much you love them how much you have a plan and have had a foreplan from ages past that you have always desired to be in the middle of their mess, to go with them through the wilderness that they're in right now. And in that wilderness, when they build that place, you'll bring victory, you'll bring provision, you'll bring life-giving water, and you're going to see them through the other side victoriously as they build upon the rock, Jesus Christ. We bless you in his name. Hey, thanks for listening in online today. We are so glad you're with us. Hey, if you need to know Jesus, 
click on our homepage. Go to sanctuaryfwc.com. We want to pray with you. It's a very simple thing to say, God, I give you my life, but it's going to cost us something. That's to say, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my way of thinking, living, and doing. I count the cost, but I want to know this Jesus who loves me, has given his life up for me. Would you take a moment and do that online? We want to connect with you and pray with you and that gets you connected to the right place and leads you in the discipleship process. Where do you go from here? Next, families have home church. As we continue this season, be the church at home. Stand in your living rooms, pray, worship together, give online and say, God bless this home. Moms and dads, lead your children. Go to Right Now Media through our website and lead them in our kids program. And lastly, as you help us continue the mission of Sanctuary Family Worship Center, we are continuing to send missions around the world and here locally. You can give by text to give online or through the mail. And we love you. We hope to see you next week.